0: hey guys and welcome to the Shrewsbury biscuit podcast uh it's been a while um I've been out uh, on holiday with my family I've started a new job I've been to weddings been doing all sorts it's been a long time since I sat behind a microphone uh, the last time I recorded was with, was with Dave Cortine for the uh, w100 uh, tennis tournament I hope you enjoyed that episode but you know when I you know I haven't recorded for a while I get like a bit of an itch I need to I need to do this isn't it's a good thing that I do it's a good, uh, it's kind of therapeutic, really, I guess. So here I am, I'm back. And we've got a great episode for you today uh, featuring Hazel Meredith Lloyd. Um, I came back from holiday thinking, ah, I don't have a podcast for next week. Uh, so <laughs> there's a bit of a mad scramble to try and get this one in. Uh, so thank you to Tracy Morgan for organising this. Uh, it was uh, fantastic to speak to Hazel, and it wouldn't have happened about you, Tracy. So thank you so much. And I do appreciate the, the people that I did put a message out uh, saying, ah, guys, I need a need a guest for like tomorrow, I think it was. And um, lots of people got in touch. So if you did get in touch, thank you so much. I will be responding to you guys and getting you guys later dates on the show. Because um, uh, you were so good to reach out in the first place. We've got a good month lined up, i got to say, actually, uh, I have been trying to catch up and we do have uh, uh, September pretty much nailed for guests. Um, so we've got a great lineup coming up. Um, right, before we get into this, uh, I do have Something I need to read out. Something that's very important to uh, uh, to, to, so, to certain someone in Shrewsbury. Um, we have an official statement to read out. Here we go. This is from Josie, and it reads like this. My name is Josie. I'm seven years old, and I'm cross about the dog poop that I keep seeing on the pavements in my neighbourhood. I've put up signs in my streets, and I've written to the council. I've also started a petition to get support for my ideas about how the council can make changes. I want them to. 1. Clean my pavements more often. number 2. Put up clear and bright signs to remind grown-ups to pick up after their dogs. I have offered to draw these if they want. Number 3 put up some signs and some free dog poo bags for people to use if they forget theirs. If you feel cross like me, or if you just like people to scoop their dog's poop like they should, then please sign my petition. Thank you for that, Josie. Um, What I'm going to do is the link that you've sent for your petition, I'm going to put on the readout for this podcast. So if you agree with Josie, um about the the dog poop uh, this is uh, generally this is this is the bellevue area bellevue and colum um but uh, if you feel like that she, you want to support Josie in this uh, maybe we can get the ball rolling click the link for the petition and get it signed uh thank you Nikki her who's Josie's mom for getting in touch with us uh for for sending that across and I wish you the best of luck, Josie. I love seeing that. Uh, young people getting involved with the community and trying to make positive changes. So good luck to you, Josie. Right, let's get on with this episode then. Uh, we uh, Make sure you stick around as well at the end of this one because uh, we've got some very important Pod Aid talk. If you want to be a part of Pod Aid 2023, uh please stick around i'll give you all the details and now i'm starting to file guests into time slots we've got a great venue thanks to shop doc um they're going to get lots of love uh, from me over the next few weeks Uh, but i definitely want to hear from you if you want to be a part of it so stick around to the end of the episode for more information now is our great episode with the amazing hazel meredith lloyd enjoy Hi guys and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whitley. It's been a while. Hey, uh, it's been we had a week off. Uh, I had uh I had a new job to start. Uh, and then we went on holiday, went to Turkey, and then I realized I didn't have a podcast lined up for there's like a week when we got back and I was like, oh. And then I realized, you know what, it's okay. That's fine. We can have a week off. I can enjoy some time with my family, getting used to my new job and still do what I love. Uh, you know in a week's time so and this is what we're doing today today we're gonna we are joined by hazel meredith lloyd author um of the book orange and the children's version of the book natalie hedgerow and the orange alien i hope i got that right hazel
1: you did you did yeah
0: <laughs> get good at this thing um how are you hazel you good
1: yes thank you yeah yeah and yeah. related happy birthday to you uh, if uh <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind me saying, have I
0: no, aged you? No, no, people people get weird. Some people get weird about their birthdays, and I mean, I I feel like at this stage I'm 37. Uh, I feel like uh, you know, but birthdays are more for the children, or for when you get to like 50 or those those kind of you know uh, big birthdays. Um, oh, this year,
1: I had my big uh, 50th birthday, and I thought to myself, I'll have a party. I don't normally have parties bit anxious about it but what could possibly go wrong if i indicate to you that my birthday i was planning it at the beginning of 2020 <laughs> i think we all know what possibly went wrong and i'm now 53 and i haven't had the 50 50- i did have a very nice zoom party but i haven't had a in the room 50th birthday party
0: for your next birthday they should do cross out the the, the number next next to the 50 and put a zero <laughs> yeah the late 50th birthday um, go for
1: it <laughs> i feel like the time has passed slightly <laughs> i'm just worried it was my fault so I, i'm not gonna plan a big party again just in case
0: just in case there's another pandemic yeah. uh, my, i had a nice birthday and uh, to the, the, the friends and family on facebook that gave me all love and support and my wife was amazing as well she bought me tickets to michael mcintyre who played in shrewsbury he does like a warm-up gigs where he gets his set right before he goes into the big shows um and I want to say, yeah, thank you. That was amazing, and I nearly died from laughing so much. Maybe that's why I'm ill today. I got like a bit of a bit of a frog in my throat today. Maybe it's because I nearly died laughing, at Michael McIntyre. I don't know. Yeah, it was very really good. So thank you to everybody. Um, so we're speaking about uh, literature writing today, uh, which is uh, I love. Like, it doesn't matter if somebody's a photographer, if they're a rapper, if they're an uh, a painting artist. Or someone that writes, I feel like artistry and creativity is absolutely, it's just a wonder to talk about because where does that come from? Where does that creativity come from? Is this something that you, Hazel, have had all your life or was this uh, something that's come to you later on in life?
1: I think I've always, I've always wanted to be a writer and uh, my mum and dad are always brilliant with, you know, reading us stories and my dad would make up stories for us at bedtime when we were little. And my mum would always watch films with us and then discuss why the characters were doing what they were doing or the history behind it, if it was like, um, you know, a semi uh, true film. So it started right from the beginning. And you've spoken to my sister um, on your podcast as well well with joe schumann we're both at the writer's lab members uh, my great, sister great um, episode he, oh, i really enjoyed that one that was really mm-hmm. good and we've just it's just always been there i think i've put in my you know when you have to write a little biography and things i normally put hazel Meredith lloyd wanted to be a writer far back as she can remember but it took me accidentally enrolling on an english degree in my late 40s to realize i should just get on and do it So
0: <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> You accidentally enrolled for the wrong course then?
1: Well, it was uh, me and my sister. My sister's huge fan of Jane Austen, and there was a Pride and Prejudice Summer School at, at UCS, at the University Centre here. And there was a... Uh, summer school on Pride and Prejudice which was her favourite book and she said to me do you want to go it was free and I went oh I don't know I wasn't long out of hospital because I've got cystic fibrosis and I'd developed diabetes and I've been quite ill I was like oh I don't know I'm a bit tired and then I woke up the next day and thought oh I don't feel too bad and it is her favorite book let's let's go and it was just amazing and the tutor uh, deborah winn okay and um you might also know you probably know lucy andrew came over to talk to us um at the end of the session deborah did and said i take it you've already done english degrees because you seemed really into it All and went no no we, we haven't got degrees we haven't studied english at that level and she went well would you like to and went oh well I'd have to do it part-time because of health and she went oh you can do it part-time and I couldn't afford the fees well you can get a loan part-time and every sort of block I had she she had a a really good answer for and it just sort of happened by the from there so we'd just gone Mm -hmm. to to while away a couple of hours chatting about Pride and Prejudice which incidentally at the end of the at the end of the session, I realised I'd joined in. I'd never actually read it. I'd seen various film and television versions, but I suddenly went, I've never read this book. But I promise I did read the books when I actually got on the course. Uh, but, yeah, it almost just spiralled in a good way uh, and happened from there. And I'm so glad that we did because we just met so many brilliant people and tutors and read so many books and watched films and things that I wouldn't have otherwise watched or Even if they were things I'd watched, we then looked at them in a completely different (laughs) way. Uh, It was brilliant writing. um, We could do a creative writing piece for our dissertation, and I wrote an essay on Spider-Man and Bridget Jones. It was just – and then, obviously, more traditional ones like Shakespeare and Jane Austen as well. It was just brilliant, and I haven't stopped – as they say, I haven't stopped dancing, yes. I haven't stopped writing since.
0: Wow. That's – fun. I think that's phenomenal because it – I'm very sorry. <clears throat> you could probably. It's see all me. right. I'm up with my mic. I was like, Argh! I got a cold, folks. I got a cold. Um, and
1: I'm in a different room. People who know me and know that I shielded, don't worry. I'm in a different <clears> room. I'm, I'm so glad you're
0: not me because I I would have hated to have had you in the same room as me. The state of in. <laughs> Been in work all day. Just like, give me a second.
1: <laughs> I'll just go and stand in the cupboard.
0: <laughs> when you when you got to use your voice for this sort of thing and you like you can barely talk, mm. <clears throat> but um. Yeah, it's great when things like this find you by chance, because I feel like it, it kind of relieves, relieves the pressure a little bit because you kind of fell into it. I feel like... Yeah, it, um. mm,
1: mm. yeah sorry. The first novel I wrote... Oh, I don't know if you've frozen. No, you're back. The first novel I wrote, I just did it to uh, for fun. It was an exercise in a creative writing group we had at uni. And um, let's just write a short bit. And I quite liked it. And the next month they set a different exercise. And I thought, well, I could carry on with the same story and the same characters. And over the months it just built. And then I thought, I'm just going to carry this on as a novel because I'm enjoying it. And um, then I think the pandemic came and it was just nice to escape into. So that first one came entirely from, by accident. And then I'm trying to I'm trying to get it um, published or I might I might self-publish it if if. Um, no agents uh bite and then I've written various other things since but they often start by accident or just as an exercise and then grow
0: well how do you how do you handle ideas do you have to put them on the back of your mind you have to get up and scribble them down do you have to be careful not to act upon ideas because that is the dangerous thing
1: I do sometimes set myself, I think at one point I was attempting to write four different novels at the same time. I do over overstretch myself because like you say, the ideas come and then you're like, oh, I want to do that, or that's really relevant at the moment, or or um I'll be thinking, no, I'll focus on this and then there'll be a writing competition. Penguin Michael Joseph, who were part of Penguin, had a writing competition this year for undiscovered writers, but it was it had to be crime fiction. So at that stage, the three novels I was working on, none of them were crime novels. So I started a fourth. And, and I got long-listed in that, but not shortlisted, but I did get long and some really nice feedback from them, which so I've I've managed to sort of sneak that onto the side at the moment focus on some of the other things and then come back to it because there's an agent who wants to see it so hopefully hopefully they'll like it when I've done it it's it's difficult I need four me's to all be writing at the same time so um somebody said to me the day the the alien in my little story's got five arms that would be handy if I could type four or five different (laughs) different novels (laughs) at the same time
0: I honestly don't know how some authors do it because, you know, uh, how often is a Jack Reacher novel out every like year mm-hmm. or every like, 10 months? Yeah. Like <clears throat> These, these things are just, and they're seamless as well. Most of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so like, you know, how, how do you pump out that? It's not just about how do you write a story in, in, because if it's your main job and you make millions off it or you make enough money to survive off it, then you make it your purpose to write that, but it's not about that. It's about the ideas and the execution of that, isn't it? You know, mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I do. Like, and a big shout out to, uh, to Violet Fenn as well, who's been on our show. Great friend of our show. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, know her. I knew her first back in the 90s. And then we reconnected in the last few years via Facebook. And I went, mm. hello, I think I know you. And then we had to remind each other. <laughs> Who we were, and yeah, no, no, she's fantastic, and so prolific, and isn't she doing well with the? Is it never? How do you say? It? Is it never weird? Um, her never
0: series. Oh God. Yeah. I just I literally just had it up on on the uh, on here. Uh, but Red set and set in, in
1: Liverpool. Dead. Though, amazing, yeah.
0: Red and dead is that number did. one bestseller on Amazon. Number I know. one bestseller.
1: She is fantastic. And the and the amount that she does as well. It's a series now. You know, I, I think I need to learn some of her focus because I need I need to get into one thing and do it through to fruition. Um but things pop up like I say competitions with deadlines, you know, well, I better do that now, I better do that now. But she's really focused on this series. And it's, it's doing brilliantly, isn't it? I'm trying to remember the name of the three books. I'm terrible at yeah, that. I that I'm,
0: I'm going to Google
1: it. I, think, I know it's set in Liverpool. The person wakes right. up one day without a pulse, doesn't she? And then she's sort of, it's it just amazing characters and places. And she's really good with her research as well, isn't she? Like researching all the parts of Liverpool she's set it in.
0: It's the Never Weird Chronicles. It. Yeah. And it's book one, Red, Red and Dead, which is now... Um, number one bestseller no. on Amazon and Amazon as well. Amazon's not like, that's not like a bookstore. That's not like, that's not even Waterstones. That is Amazon.
1: Yeah. That's huge. I, there are so many books on there to be number one. Uh, it's just amazing. When, when I first bought Orange as a short story, very briefly, I think I got to number 33 uh, because, <laughs> everybody's sort of buying it on the first day um, in some of the categories I did, but, but to be at number one, and then she's, she's sustaining a riding high in the charts as well and full length novels as well. So um, yeah. And she's very generous with um, like Tracy Morgan that you know as well is who, who told me that you had a slot today. They're both, and Joe, they're so generous with their knowledge. And that's one thing I find about writing people that they, they just, really kind and generous and sharing and tips and boosting each other up. And and that's one like of the that. things
0: I've, I've loved about speaking to authors in Shrewsbury is because there is a collaboration. There isn't a, 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 a yes, keep trying darling or any of that nonsense. Yeah. It's kind of like, no, let's get together and share our work and then we can yeah. help each other through it. And I, I really like that. And I keep getting invites to the writer's labs and I'm, I'm I really want to come and I, I probably can within the, in the next, couple of weeks or so maybe pop along to one of them um yeah. but with my new job i'm just trying to like survive yeah <laughs> do you know what i
1: mean yeah if you can't get in in person there's often a zoom link um so that yeah, might in be that too.
0: that's quite cool
1: mm, yeah that's that's very handy because i used that a lot when i was still shielding and then sometimes if i can't fit in the get in there yeah. and back you can just turn the laptop on for the hour and that's really handy
0: i think laura asked me to, to come and speak there and i was like but i'm not an author she goes but you make things and i was like okay
1: oh yeah make things and and we all love you know a way to get publicity for people who people who are putting things out there is quite amazing i uh i went on a course with uni about making podcasts but i've not managed to wrap my head around <laughs> around actually doing it as yet so i just keep trying to be on people's <laughs>
0: um yeah i've been asked to do that as well which is weird go and do a workshop about podcasts my problem is is like i have a bit of imposter syndrome where in my head head, i'm like who the hell wants to listen to me talk do you know what i mean but
1: you shouldn't have that because i remember seeing you years ago i was at ucs at the university and you were doing a podcast live i think there or recording it was probably at um charlie adlard's um the comic con things when they had all the
0: comic oh, right. and- yeah, yeah we interviewed uh frank quietly <clears throat> we did lots of lots of interviews that weekend i've gent yeah. sh- for inviting me along to that because um they gave us a studio for two days at that university and we had a blast an absolute blast was it the one that it wasn't the one in the castle wasn't these ucs yeah
1: the one in the university, yeah, I think they had things in different, was in the library as well, I mean it was brilliant wasn't it, I went to see so many panels, and I knew Charlie as well back in the 90s, same sort of time and group of people as as I knew Violet in, and um, I don't know if he really remembered me, because I didn't know him that well, um, but when I went to get something signed at that um, comic con thing, um, he was like, Oh, yeah, Hayley. And I'm thinking, did somebody just whisper my name to heck Hay- Well, Haley Hazel, did someone just whisper my name to him? And he, he was really friendly. Um, and it- when I knew him back in the 90s, he was illustrating the X Files, um, magazine, which was yeah. huge, huge, like the. I was call it the wrong thing. Walking Dead, Living Dead. I was walking called it Walking Dead. dead isn't yeah. it? Um, huge, like that is now. The X Files was massive then, and he was illustrating it, and he was so modest. I know because he was drumming in a band um, with some of my friends, and and he was just so modest about it, and and still is now. Is same same person. That's
0: worth. That's worth. Where do you think that comes from, though? Do you think that's 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 the uh the mind of a creator. I mean, I you can build an ego about, about what mm-hmm. you make. And I guess that, that happens quite, quite a bit. But like, like you said, there are so many people that are really humble about what they make. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's quite, it's quite, it's quite nice to see. It's quite nice to see. I mean, um, Charlie is a great example because you know, that guy is worth millions. He's mm-hmm. worth millions. He's, he's co-created one of the greatest independent comic books in history. Mm-hmm. And, He will talk to anybody. You're right, he will. And um uh I I see him now and again. Sometimes I get shocked that he recognizes me. It's really I when I first started in the shoes of biscuit about when you saw me around that sort of time, I I developed a bit of a man, weird man crush on Charlie Adland. I'm right now, (laughs) but when I'd see him, I'd turn into like a sixteen year old giggly girl. I'd be like,
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: Charlie.
1: Yeah. I think we all have, like you said, that brings me back. We've all got—I don't know what it is—where the modesty and imposter syndrome go hand in hand. Because, uh, as you probably heard me slip up there, there is a bit of a pen name going on with me for various reasons. But it is helpful when I go as Hazel. I'm in writing mode, and Hazel's far more confident than real me, and um, so that's helpful. But real me's got crashing imposter syndrome, so it does help to so sometimes have a pen name and and just go oh yeah well she knows what she's doing she's a writer i'm just somebody who's having a go and doesn't really know what they're doing
0: i do i know i, I know that and we because I, I worked for a few years at the prison acting what they, they used to write roles just for me like they'd be <laughs> like right what what can we do i, I did i did bad santa i did evil butcher i did uh, a <laughs> D- drag queen i was there for like i'm, I'm innocent i used to say you know and like it's really weird because i'd shuffle in say hi to my prison family you know the, the actors i worked with and uh we'd all get along and then i'll get into character and i would be completely different but bad santa was the best thing i ever did because i just be like people be staring at me walking around with my whiskey stains down my t-shirt. I'd be like, what? (laughs) Like, you know, I could be someone different. It's not me. That's bad Santa. You know? And that's quite, it's quite, it's quite, um, liberating actually to do something like that. It is, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. And I like, I I used to do amateur dramatics. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah.
0: So what's the, what's the difference between Hazel and you then? What, what are the, what are the, the the benefits of being Hazel for you?
1: Oh, um, I think everybody says, like, I think to carry on that rambling biography that I've written in some things, um, I say something like, it took me accidentally doing the degree to realise I should just get on and write it, and then to my amazement, people actually read it. So everyone goes, no, no, you are a writer, you write. And I go, yeah, but is anyone reading it? That's where <laughs> that you can call yourself a writer. Hazel calls herself a writer. Me goes... Is anyone reading it? And what are they thinking when they do read it? But then you're right. If you get joy out of writing it, I think I think that serves a purpose in itself. Unfortunately, we need money to make the world go round. And I've been trying to – I said to myself, I gave myself a year after university and I graduated last September uh, to try and earn money from writing – and I think I think I've got twenty two days left before that time is up. And well, I've self published. I've earned. I think it's under fifty quid at the moment. I've earned on, on self. So I suppose technically I've just squeaked in at the last minute and achieved my aim. Um, but. Um, I think I'm probably going to have to take the pressure off and get a part time job to pay some money so that because otherwise it can take the joy out of it a bit. If you're writing to try and desperately be published or get an agent, then every knockback is just crushing and you find yourself trying to write to the to what other people want rather than what you enjoy and are good at writing. Uh, which just spoils it all a bit. You've you've got to enjoy writing it. You've got to write what you'd want to read, I think. And so <laughs> I'm going to try and split it, I think, earn a bit of money and and then try and write for joy and hope that that takes me down the right path.
0: Do you think that that's what happened to George R.R. R. Martin? Do you think he was kind of like, oh, yeah. I'll finish it when I finish it, like, you know? And I'll do yeah. it however I want to do it. like People are like, can you finish Game of Thrones, please? Because, like, the TV mm-hmm. show end soon it's kind of like no I don't think I will
1: (laughs) yeah maybe didn't want it to end because I'm a bit like that if you read a really good book or if you've written one you miss the characters don't you and I find that hard as well like when you do submit to agents and they go well I like it but I think this person needs to change and that needs to change but in my head when I've written it that's how it is (laughs) they're real to me then and that's how it happens I'm like but I can't change it because that's what happened, and that's who they are, and they wouldn't say that. So it yeah. is a it is a bit of a conflict. You've you've got to play the game like with everything if you want to go down the traditional route. But then with um, Kindle Direct Publishing with Amazon, you can just you can just self publish. I mean, you've got to be careful not to just stick a load of dross out there. <laughs> but, it's good um, to
0: hear that you don't compromise, like you know, with your with your creation. I mean, I was listening to. Um, when I came in from uh, Michael McIntyre, from um, uh, Gabriel Inglés, the um, Fluffy, the comedian. And he did the, he's, he did the voice for um, uh, Speedy González for the new Space Jam movie. <clears throat> and and Sp- Sp- Speedy González nearly got cancelled before the movie got released because people like, it's a, a, a Mexican stereotype. And Fluffy is Mexican. And he's like, well, I don't know if you've ever listened to my family over the dinner table, but they sound exactly like that. That right. represents... Mexico and Mexican families. So they rang him up um because he was doing the voices um Warner brothers and they were like would you do it in your normal voice? And yeah. he was like absolutely not because Mexico needs rep- representation and families love speed gonzales no compromise and he did an amazing job. You know, sometimes you got to stick to your heart, have you? stick to your what's important yeah. to you, you know.
1: I think and because it's his um his lived experience, he can do it without it being an insulting parody. I think there's a lot in publishing at the moment about own voices and lived experience. And because I've got um, cystic fibrosis, I uh, my characters tend to have it because I think, well, the writing and reading world needs diversity. I'm going to get that bit right because I know it, I, I live it. But even then it worries me because my experience of cystic fibrosis and my opinions about it are not going to be the same as everybody's with cystic fibrosis. We're all individuals. So I know, you know, what. it's a very tricky one. When a type of person is represented for the first time in film or literature, you will get a lot of people go, that's not right, that's not how it is, because that's not how their experience is. Um, I think it helps if the actor or the writer or the director has that lived experience but even then, as I say, going around in circles with myself, I can only give my experience of it. I can't give everybody's. Um, and I think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. When, when somebody represents something for the first time, that becomes the blueprint and everybody wants it to represent every person with that thing. And even if I managed to write a really good novel and it's got a character with CF in, it won't be everybody with CFs representation. So it does worry me. It's a tricky thing. We need diversity. We need own voices. Um yeah. okay. there's all these there's all these questions, isn't there? Should like, is it Russell T. Davis said recently he felt uh in um oh what it's a sin he just wanted um actors with the sexuality of the character they were playing to play mm-hmm. that they had the lived experience and then there's all that debate well is that right or is that wrong and mm. and um i don't know it's a complicated question but the more representation we have authentic representation and acceptance the better i think but it's how you make it authentic i think
0: i always remember the uh, the drax thing from guardians of the galaxy there's a, an autistic boy who couldn't attach to anything, couldn't concentrate on anything, couldn't there was no TV show that he liked, there's no cartoons that he could sit and watch. And he watched Guardians of the Galaxy. And I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, but Drax is very yeah. literal. Yes. Yeah, he, like, you say something to me, he's like, no, I am not that. And this boy attached himself to Drax, the only thing that he loved, because he had, um, he identified with it. You know, he kind of that was yeah. that was his thing. And, and that and that's such a random character to, to, to like, attach onto, but when yeah. you talk about representation. I do feel like there needs to be somebody out there for everybody. like, um, yeah. And, I feel and then also you've got a good niche as well. You know, you might reach out to a, a corner of the, a reading community. They'd be like, I'm, thank you so much for writing that.
1: Yeah, I think it's nice to be seen. Um, the first novel I wrote, which is a rom-com, has a, a, a sort of secondary character in it, with cystic fibrosis. And an agent once said to me, well, well why isn't she the main character? But I didn't. The main character was one that was sort of it was a sort of a bit um, Bridget Jonesy. She was a she was a bit of an emotional mess. It starts with her being left by a boyfriend, and she doesn't know why. And it's her journey to getting stronger. But I wanted the character assistive cystic fibrosis to be strong from the off, and to be her support. So therefore, she had to be the supporting character. It wasn't that she wasn't as important, but I wanted her to be strong. Um, so she was the supporting character, and then we were seeing the journey of the of the other one. But then in the second novel i've written she is the main character but um that's yeah it's it's so tricky to know what to do because you can never please all of the people all of the time um
0: yeah
1: try i think
0: (laughs) and what about the genre you've chosen can you write any genre or is it just like comedy is your strong point
1: so far nearly everything a writer's got comedy in it so so far i'm writing the cozy crime that's got comedy in it the children the two versions of orange both comedic um and then the rom-com comedy and the other one even though it's a bit more serious has also got a lot of comedy in it I tend to deal with serious issues by using comedy in my life and in my writing um orange started as a um a university exercise and we just had to we just had to write anything a thousand words of prose anything and I was like I have no idea where to begin it, it was just too vast. it could be anything at all and I was going up to bed one night and I thought I still haven't done that essay, that uh, assignment I still don't know what story to write And I was closing the curtains and I said to my husband that big orange metal box is still out on the green and it struck me that we'd all just assumed this big orange metal container on our that suddenly appeared on the green with no signs or anything to tell you what it was we just assumed oh it's probably got council lawnmowers in it or something but then I thought well what if it isn't and then that's when I decided that the big orange metal box was an alien spaceship with a little <laughs> orange alien called death in it and that's when this whole hit very hitchhiker's guide influence story came but a lot of the comedy in it is I'm going to say adult comedy I don't mean as in it won't be shown till 10 o'clock at night and only on satellite channels but not aimed at children um the, there was a the joke I made that, that adults get, but kids maybe won't. One that they that kids wouldn't really get. The references are wrong for them. There's one where um I, the the main character in it, because the main character in it is about my age. She's a, a woman who's always lived quite a quiet life, and then decides to help this poor stranded alien get his spaceship back off the ground and, and travel in space so it's like this contrast of she's never really left her town much it's I think she says um here I am going off to space and I've never been to Anglesey because I don't like the bridge and she, she's like <laughs> quite a timid little person and decides to take this big leap for mankind and um she uh um you know I don't know what I said I've lost my thread that's how I write so much You're talking but, about uh, the, the story
0: of her helping but, the alien
1: that's it. And exactly. she's helping him and she's thinking to herself, I can't <clears> remember <throat> why. She ends up thinking about the you know, the Ghostbusters reboot they did recently where it was women uh, actresses yes, yes. And, of, and there was a lot of hatred for that, wasn't there? And she says Not this line it was a women cast though, it was because it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> there was but some people it was because it was women, and and there was like there's this line in the book, um, that I wrote something like um some people were very angry because they very much felt that the women ghostbusters should be more about the bust than they were about the ghost. And I thought maybe I'd take okay. the children's version. <laughs> um, And then my a few agents had said, Oh, well, we can't really place Douglas Adams style um sci-fi comedy at the moment. It's not really in vogue. If you thought of turning it into a children's book, because a lot of it reads like a children's book with some exceptions. And my cousins are, a children's teacher, and he said, I'd love to read it to my class. And I thought, I'm just going to rewrite it so that uh, it is for kids. So I had to take some bits out. I added a grandchild so that there was a young person for them to identify with. But then that changed the character, the main character in the main one, Emily Hedrow. she's a little bit of a lonely person she hasn't married she wouldn't have a child or a grandchild um so it's taken those slightly sadder bits I've often got sort of sadder bits mixed in with the comedy but those have gone from the children's version um there's bits the little girl is worrying about changing schools and going from to a new school so then traveling off to this other planet and meeting all these aliens helps her realize that actually well if I can do that then a new classroom and a different teacher is is no big deal after all so it's sort of it's changed there's changed bits of it and then there's bits of the two books which I've try to be really clear on amazon are pretty much the same book some of them are the same word for word i don't want people to buy the second one and go well thanks for that i've just <laughs> i've just paid for another book that was 60 percent the same as the first one but i just wanted to do it for both audiences and um like when you get adaptations on the television you oh, know, yeah,
0: i was, be- was going to mention um there's probably far away for too far But deadpool i really like the movie deadpool and i was like yeah. i wish you could watch this for my kid but it's yeah. too violent but then they released a child version of it like a family version. They? Of they the, is it
1: animated or is it
0: the is it ryan reynolds no it's ryan reynolds but it's obviously oh, it's uh it's, it's it's a bit it's still like deadpool but there's no like not, not the same sort of amount of blood or gore and stuff Oh, that uh, would be great. I think uh, I
1: would watch that because I find it, I love Ryan Reynolds, Marvel and Deadpool, but I find it a bit, Oh, maybe I'm more suited to the kids'
0: version. Um Once Upon a Deadpool is called.
1: Oh wow. I'll um, watch that.
0: Is uh is an edited toned down version of Deadpool two. I don't know if they've done it with the first one. So they basically oh. just 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 dumbed it down a little bit. And that's great because I love those characters, and that, and that the second Shit. one.
1: Because his humor as well, there's parts of Deadpool that kids would love, but there's so yeah. many parts in it that you really don't want your kids to see or hear. Um, well, so when a,
0: character, when a character breaks the fourth wall, looks at the camera and goes, "Hey, kids!" Like you know, people yeah. love that. That for me is a is a, is, a, is a great thing. I mean, one of my favorite things in the world in the world is Rick and Morty. I love Rick and Morty to death uh, yeah. because yeah. it's very clever short storytelling. Like they will yeah. tell they did an episode called Morty's mind blows. I mentioned it on the podcast a few times where they did um six or seven, possibly eight stories in one episode, one twenty-five minute episode, and wow. each one was a coherent story that made a lot of sense and was really funny too. It's storytelling of the highest caliber. Yeah. It may be a bit lewd and it may be a bit rude sometimes, but for me it's some of the finest writing you'll ever gonna see. You know, it's
1: brilliant. When I entered a the the Chester Uni where 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 well I went to University Centre Shrewsbury but obviously that's part of Chester Uni and yeah. I um, entered a writing competition and when we went to the sort of presentation evening I didn't win but it was a brilliant evening and one of the pe- the writers speaking to us giving a speech had written on Bob the Builder and she said that in every sort of is it five minute episode of Bob the Builder they had to have all the beats and all the parts of a story and a subplot that you would have in like a you know a two hour film and i thought actually people scoff at they all say oh kids writing is easy and it really isn't to get all of that into five minutes is probably more of a skill than doing a 90 minute rom-com probably because you've got to get it all those beats in so quickly and i thought wow that's amazing
0: (laughs) you know what i have been editing podcasts videos photos logos all sorts of things over the years one of the most difficult things I ever had to edit was um I had a job at a radio station and I was doing Al's business uh, was it Al's Owls uh, entertainment buzz and it was an like eight eight minute slot and it was all what's going on in the movie world gaming all that kind of entertainment jargon and I had to edit it down to eight minutes very small slots and yeah. I had to take out. I had to take out breaths and um, it was like, <laughs> just to try and squeeze in and sometimes compact things compact writing yeah. um is, is 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 very difficult i mean how do you choose how do you how did you choose because it's a short novel isn't it yeah. how did yeah, you choose so what content goes in and what doesn't go in
1: it started off as a thousand word assignment and that was about one chapter and then i carried it on the next year we had a similar assignment and we were able to continue with an existing piece. So, but at the end of university, it was 3000 words. Then I put it on my blog and did sort of thousand word chapters. Then there was um, a a comedy women in print, which is run by Helen Lederer um, had a short story competition that could be up to 10,000 words. So I thought, I'm going to keep going for 10 chapters, give it like the normal sort of story arc and then finish it at 10,000 and then I thought well I quite like it at 10,000 I'm gonna publish it as that as a short story as a kind of my first foray into self-publishing and see how it goes and at the moment it stayed at that but I might I might make it longer one day either as kids or in its original form Um, and there's also there's a company in Wrexham that you can make audio books with that. They then can put, they put it in the format that you can put them on audible. Um, <clears> and um, you can get some funding from Chester uni in the two years after you graduate. So if I can get the funding, they let you read your own audio book. And I'd really love to have a go at making an audio book of one of the versions, either orange or the Natalie Hedro and the orange alien, probably the kids. I'll, one would you, I'll give you my voice. Say so again.
0: Oh, I, give you my, I, I give you my voice. I love doing voiceovers for stuff like that. Do you?
1: Do you? Oh, I've
0: I I this week I found out that I have, I have voiced on the number one wrestling podcast in Sweden. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> wrestling with a champ with, uh, uh, created by my great friend, uh, Ant McGinley, an amazing guy. And I've done, I've done ring announcement and uh, announcers. I've done uh, characters um, I used to do voices for him. I've been doing it for years, to be fair. But yeah, I'd love to do stuff like that. Yeah.
1: That sounds, but you see, I was thinking, do we also get, um, if it's in Wrexham, surely we just, Ryan Reynolds would just, yeah, I'd love to voice a five-armed orange alien called Jeff. Surely he's just waiting for that next role after Deadpool. <laughs> I'll
0: put a word in for you. Me and him are great. I'm not joking. Really.
1: If you could, if you could just ask him, I'll, I'll wait by the football ground. And um if he, I'm going to Comic-Con at the weekend is um it, there's a like a homecoming one in the Glendale University just next to the football ground so maybe oh, he'll be there and I'll just go hi I've got a role for you <laughs> What do you think
0: <laughs> I do you know what actually I wouldn't be surprised if he said yes to something like that because he's a nice guy he seems to be a nice he's guy.
1: Lovely, isn't he? Have you seen the like all the all the stuff he does for Wrexham? And yeah. then there's a video on YouTube about all the charities he's helped in Canada. Because he's Canadian, isn't he? And <clears throat> yeah. yeah, he does seem genuinely nice and very quirky. I'm hoping that Jeff the Alien is quirky and and appeals. <laughs> to people but then it was one of those things that appealed to me and it kind of made me laugh writing it which i don't mean in a big-headed way it might not make anybody else laugh at all i just might have a very particular weird sense of humor but it I was fun uh,
0: oh by the way I, I was behind the trailer the other day uh this is one of ivor williams one and I was, I was sat behind it going ivor williams because he did the advert did you see the advert he did for ivor williams trailers when him and rob first <laughs> over the club they did an advert for them oh. i was like I've heard of Williams trailers. It was like the way he said it, it was so funny. I'm a, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of independent creators and Rob McElhenney and the team behind Ari, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, again, when it comes to comedy writing, that's some of the finest writing you'll see. Um, and so I love. I, I'm more. I've got. I, have, I love Ryan Reynolds. I think he's amazing. But Rob McElhenney for me is just an absolute genius when it comes to comedy. You know, him and Charlie Day in the same room uh, let see you know they're great I've got to watch that
1: that's on my to watch list I haven't watched that yet but yeah, it's I knew it's brilliant.
0: phenomenal I mean season 7 of Always Sunny in Philadelphia is the, some of the best sitcom you'll ever see you, they are they are terrible people they play terrible people a lot yeah. of people jump on Always Sunny in Philadelphia and go yeah they root for them when really they're taking yeah. they kind of poking the right wing people with a stick a little bit you know yeah. sort of like train them as, as idiots you know um uh and i love that well, who inspires you as as writing do you ever watch like movies and tv and things you mentioned bridget jones earlier as a, as Brit- a-
1: Helen Field, and yeah, the bridget jones things for rom-coms um terry pratchett and douglas adams for the sci-fi type stuff um I remember you said earlier about breaking the fourth wall and when I was a teenager back back in the 80s I used to love Moonlighting which was a a comedy detective drama series with Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd, and it was hilarious and they broke the fourth wall all the time and did really they'd suddenly burst into song there was a dream sequence episode um there was a episode where it starts with a child having to do their homework about the taming of the shrew and then all the characters play uh, act out the taming of the shrew but with bit it was um it's metafictional, isn't it? I think they call it. And breaking the fourth wall. And it was so funny. I worry that if I go go back and watch it now and I've got all the DVDs because I was obsessed with it, it's probably incredibly sexist. I <laughs> I don't think Sybil Shepherd spoke that highly of Bruce Willis and her general treatment as a woman. Um, not by him particularly, but you know, the the, the, the industry in the eighties, I think very much. She had to be the straight man to yeah. He was the funny one, and it's probably a bit like when young people watch Friends now and go, "Ross should never behave like that." Yeah,
0: but I've I've, I've defended Friends so much because I feel I feel like especially with like so when we talk about that, we talk we think of like Friends, we think of the 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 comedy you're on about, the show you're on about, and Ral Dahl. uh, People talking about that, Charles Dickens. You know, you read some of Charles Dickens and it's incredibly racist, incredibly but that's what it was like at the time. Ralph yeah. Dahl, you know, somebody was writing at a time when it was okay yeah. to say the things he did. I feel like I feel like when it comes to that, that it's a period piece that was written in the language of the time. I think you can still enjoy that, but you can enjoy it. It's almost like in comedy, when stand up comedy, when you hear a joke and people laugh and then they go, Oh, afterwards, you kind of enjoy it and then realize it's bad. I feel like you can enjoy comedy like that in a certain way.
1: It's tricky, isn't it? It's difficult to know. Um, it's like, I don't know, it's a really difficult thing. We can't now cancel Dickens and Austen for writing things that at the time nobody had questioned. And actually, Jane Austen, she is subtly questioning them, and I, I don't know whether Dickens is or not. Um, I'd have to read it more more closely. But Jane Austen will be – people think, oh, it's just like, you know – Regency chicklet, but she's actually making some very subtle comments about women's place in society and how vulnerable they were and and it uh, yeah we've got to remember the times in which something was written but I, I don't know it's tricky as like people complained about there being new versions of Roald Dahl's books well I think the old versions haven't gone maybe have both of it there's room for both versions let's have the versions that show that don't offend people but we don't have to burn the old ones we just have to be aware that's the time we're in look how far we've come um and if we're doing a new adaptation let's make it better in that way i think let's let's show what we've learned um but at this oh i can't think what the author is there's an author who was asked uh oh gosh how do you stand what they've done to your books because the adaptations were not very well loved and and the author said they haven't done anything to my books my books are still on the shelf and yeah. and the, there's room for lots of different versions i think <clears throat>
0: yeah. um so update
1: yeah. problematic texts but don't pretend they never existed because how are we going to learn if we don't realize where we've come from i think
0: Think. <laughs> That's really, really good. Yeah, and that fits in well with your with your story as well because you've written two versions of your book, you know. And yeah. I feel like, yeah, we we talk. If, uh, this is crazy how it's all fitted in into because we talked about Once Upon a Deadpool. You know, they did that for yeah. a movie, uh, so we could do that. We, but I would like to see it edited back rather than added to, if that makes sense. Because I don't know, I don't know if roald Dahl would be like happy with people going and going, oh, no, actually, I think this character would say this rather than this. I don't know if that's that kind yeah, of fits.
1: Yeah, I don't know, because sometimes I'm not sure, and I'm I'm white, so it is not my place to judge this. We need a, a non-white person to tell me. Like, I could probably give an opinion on disability and cystic fibrosis representation, but I sometimes wonder, <clears throat> you know, they have colorblind casting now. And that could be, I don't know, that might be wonderful. I've seen the David Copperfield film with Colour Blancas and it's an amazing film. Um, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> I sometimes wonder...
0: Hopefully not, but, yeah. you know...
1: Should we be spending less time amending existing texts and more time seeking out texts by non-white authors either modern day ones or ones that were written at the same time as dickens and highlighting those because there is like like you know there were so many women artists and scientists but they don't get shouted about in the history books same with people of color and i wonder whether instead of fixating on changing dickens we actually go actually there there were some non white writers then or there are now and let's let's make those let's make those films and have the right people playing the parts, you know, the people who, for whom that's a, a, a lived experience or a lived experience of their ancestors. I don't know, as I say, I can't really comment on that being a, a white person. But I, I'm just thinking that sometimes people think the answer is to change things. Like you said, you know, put something in, take something out, but maybe sometimes it's just, let's just write something new that is right. That is now. And
0: I think, um, I think a great example of, of like, I love it. I love it when we talk about this. circles back to representation from earlier in the, in the podcast. You know, Mars Morales for me uh, is, um, mm. he's, he's a black Hispanic Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, that's I a home run and yeah. they, they yeah. haven't gone right guys. You got a black Spider-Man now, which by the way, I would never mind, you know, I'm all about yeah. equality. Um, they, they went, let's write a new character who is, yeah, who is from this community he has. He's more powerful than Spider-Man, and he's hella cool. Here you go. Like, yeah, he's a very popular character. This like Spider-Man was
1: brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, you, you're right there. You, yeah, because like nobody should. You know, I'm sure there are still people yeah. going. Oh, we're not allowed to have a white Spider-Man. Well, yes, you are. Nobody's taken any of that away. That's dominated for years. We've just now got some a uh, uh, Miles Morales as well, it, and it's just brilliant, isn't it? It's, I love that film. Um, and. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. I think there's room for. I don't know. My mind is. Uh, I don't know what the right thing. As I say, it's not my place to say about colorblind casting. But sometimes I think let's let's instead of. In a way, is it fair? You know, like when when you've got um, a black person playing a character in a position that they wouldn't have been allowed to be in at that time in society then you've almost erased, you've erased the injustice and the suffering that happened by pretending yeah. that it didn't happen. So that's wrong, isn't it? Because let's not pretend everything was always fine because it wasn't. Unless you're Tarantino
0: and then you throw a black guy on a horse and then he, he suffers the, 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 the verbal. Uh, Django chain for me is just one of the finest movies of all time. I love that movie because this is a white guy making a movie about that and it shouldn't be allowed but it is and it's brilliant and so i i I love it for that
1: i haven't seen that one we studied pulp fiction when i was at university and it was Mm. one of those films i liked in spite of myself i didn't want to like it because of sort of morality type stuff but it is just like a masterwork of filmmaking isn't it you you can't not be gripped by it it's just and and sorry
0: If you look at that, there's like four or five different stories happening at the same time, Mm. and they also meet at the end. So
1: clever, and the way he puts it all—it's not in chronological order, as well—and the effect that that has on you, even though you know what happened before what, uh, but the way it's been presented, and it is so clever. And I didn't want to love it, and I did.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and that's that's about being brave and, and making those choices. Um, I'm going to ask you a question now. I don't want you to 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 be offended. Why why this? This is just so that you listeners can can listen uh, as to why should people buy your book? Why why should people buy it and try and sell it
1: Oh, right. Um. Well, uh, the original one, Orange, is just I hope fun and funny, and it's got a nice little message about friendship and accepting difference and um. Uh, it's sort of I think people who like Good Omens and Hitchhiker's Guide and Terry Pratchett it's that kind of thing I've been influenced by I'm not saying I'm in their league but that's the kind of people who would hopefully like it and then the children's version um similar really the same heart is in it um it, it's got bits that are more relevant to children like worries about starting school and changes and and going on adventures and it's um the both versions have got a character in it called the ultimate sad who is this incredibly depressed alien who employs these people of his called the killjoys that just stop anybody else from being happy because this person is depressed and he doesn't want anyone else to be happy which is not me (coughs) not me making a bad comment about depression suffer from depression and anxiety myself on a on a very weird rotation um I think that's why I write humor and everything to try and sort of cheer myself up but the the other people in the book try to find a way to help this person to feel better to start his journey to feeling better it's very much like you know it's not there's not a magic solution uh but it's about everyone working together to try and help someone and realizing that um when something feels insurmountable, if you take the first step, it it might help. So I've explained that really badly. Um, hopefully, it's done far more sensitively in the book, because I, I was very concerned. I didn't want to give the message that, oh, well, you shouldn't be depressed, because you're going to make everybody else fed up. There's, you know, there's very much it talks about how the time when you need the most help is the time when you feel least able to accept it. And the time when you need to act the most is the time when you don't feel like you can get off your chair. And this is in both versions, really, but in a in a child-friendly way. In the, But to try and sort of help people who who don't feel right or are worried about something, to realise you can make the first step with the help of people, and you can start to get back onto that journey of of feeling better um and in in the midst of all of that are some giggling wild space hedgehogs who who um are given away as prizes in a karaoke competition there's all sorts of nonsense in it so if you like a bit of depth and a bit of nonsense all at the same time uh whatever your age there's a <laughs> there's a version for you really well got it. quite cheap <laughs>
0: Well, I was going to say thank you as well for my, my copy. I've just downloaded it on the Kimble, Kindle, uh, so and I look forward to reading that because I could do it for, uh, something to laugh at. I don't know, man. Michael McIntyre nearly killed me last night, but, uh, yeah, I do love a good read. So
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Can't, so can't let's wait.
1: hope mine isn't that funny
0: while you've still got a cough. <laughs> oh, my God, finish me off. I'm playing, definitely blaming Michael McIntyre for this cough I've got right now, laughing so much. Um. But well, that is it's absolutely been an absolute pleasure speaking to you, Hazel. And I hope that we can get you back on again at some point. Um what's what's the feedback been like about have you had any feedback yet about the bucket?
1: there's some lovely people have put some lovely reviews the um the children's version comes i i think it's on the second the kindle version is available for pre-order at the moment of the children's version and then it'll drop into your kindle inbox um on the release date which is this saturday uh which is the second isn't it and um then the paperback version um, I've just got to wait for when you sort of hit the self-published button you can order a, a proof first so I've got to wait for that to arrive just to check the spine and everything is in the right place and none of the paragraphs have gone peculiar and then okay. I can hit more buttons and then that'll be available to order from Amazon uh, as well. and then who knows hopefully the audiobook version with myself, yourself and Ryan Reynolds playing all the, <laughs> playing all the main characters uh, <laughs> will come out. Um whenever I can hopefully get funding and, and make that. So it's yeah, and it's all it's all on Amazon. Um because it's a really if, if other people want to do it, it's a really good way of being able to make your writing into a book. Because they um I'd love to charge far less for it than I do, but there's a certain they they give you a parameter of what you can charge because they include their printing costs and the postage costs, and then anything over that you can have a tiny bit of profit um I think it's something like if you sell it for about four pound you get about 47 pence profit for book per book which in a way isn't bad compared to traditional publishing and you you haven't had to I'd love to go with an independent publisher I really would support like to support a small business I just don't have any money for the outlay to to begin with you know some people can Buy their books, store them in the spare room, and then hopefully sell them at gigs, etc. I just don't right. have the money uh, for the outlay, so I have, it's I have sold this role to the devil and gone to Amazon. <laughs>
0: That's good. I'm glad you're getting more, like Spotify. If you made music, would be like 0.002 pence or something like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. music streaming is bad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's it's not bad. They they'll set them. So if anybody wants to do it, they'll, they'll you can see they set the parameters. They include the costs and you can make more profit on the Kindle version because obviously there's not as many costs. So you're you're paying something towards the platform, but you're not paying any printing costs and things. So it's it's all good um it's all good fun and experience um just to try and get words out there and
0: (laughs) well you keep up with it honestly you're doing a great job and you're obviously enjoying it and i can't wait to see what comes from you next i just want to say to the listeners um the books are orange and natalie hedrow and the orange alien that's right
1: (laughs) that's it yeah yeah hazel meredith lloyd the very long name yeah <laughs> thank you
0: very much um i'll put the links for both books uh if uh, hazel sends them to me um i will put them on the readout for this podcast so if you do fancy downloading your own version of the book uh please check out the readout for this podcast click on the link and buy it because uh you need to support our local authors and get a good story in return so thank you so much uh, hazel it's been an absolute pleasure Speaking to you today. Thank you so much for putting up with my nonsense. (laughs) um, (laughs) And
1: you mine with my just verbose verbosity. That's the word.
0: (laughs) Michael McIntyre's fault. We'll blame him. Just going to blame him. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, guys uh, stick around i will end with a bit of a monologue um but um yeah this has been really good hazel thank you so much stick around because once i press uh record we'll be backstage well thank you so much for joining the show thank you
1: very much thank you i'm going to mute myself because it's just started raining on the conservatory roof and all you'll hear is the sound of tap dancing mice <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you very much Thank you, Hazel. That was really wonderful. It was really nice chatting to you. Um, I love those organic chats that can just go anywhere. And if you are interested in purchasing a copy of uh, of the books, um, I will put the links for them on the readout for this episode. Um, so if you want to get yourself a copy, just check out the readout as well as the uh, the petition from Josie at the beginning. Uh, the intro for this episode. So whether it's the books or the petition you're interested in, just take a look at the readout. It's all there for you. Um, right now on to our most interesting uh, discussion point um, is Pod a 2023. Uh, it's, it's two months away, which means I am now filing in the guests for their time slots. We have a venue. A thank you to Helen from Lingen-Davis who secured us a, a great venue, uh, which we have um, our own access to. Um, and it's at Shrop Dock. In Shrewsbury, so thank you to the guys at Shop Doc. It's very just around the corner from me, which is wonderful. Um, we've got our own um, office, our own spot there to use. Um, if you would like to... Be, there are still spot, uh, guest spots available, so um, if you're listening to this and yeah, you know, you've know you got a, a great story to tell, I'm looking for motivational speakers. I'm looking for artists, musicians, from anywhere. It doesn't have to be from Shrewsbury. If you're listening to this and you want to get involved with PodAid, please email me at shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com or just hit me up on Facebook. Uh, there are spots available, but they do not last long, 24-hour long spots, and they go very, very quickly. So, um, And also, everybody that's already involved with PodAid, thank you so much. I can't wait to speak to you. Uh, if you don't know what PodAid is, I'll give you a summary now. It's a 24-hour podcast. Live charity podcast that we do in front of mics and camera, we do it every year, and we raise money for Lingan Davis. We're just shy of five grand after this will be our third year, so I want to break that obviously, break that five grand barrier, but make it our biggest show ever. Um, so if you want to get involved, if you want to donate, whatever it is, please f- find Pod Aid on Facebook, on Instagram, and on. Oh, where are where are we? Uh, we're on YouTube too. Now, the YouTube is a funny one because if you give that a follow, there's not a lot going on there because uh, we haven't recorded anything in a year. But uh, if you're subscribed and you hit that bell, uh, you'll get the notifications when we do go live. So it seems daft me asking you to subscribe to a channel that's not doing anything, but very soon it will be. Uh, right, I'm going to let you go. Uh, thank you so much uh, to uh, to everybody involved in today's episode. I really enjoyed this. It's great to dust the mic off, uh, the dust off the mic. See, there we go. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while, what can I say? Thank you so much to everybody who's listened to this, and I'll catch you guys next time. Peace out.